We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Newcastle United won. Tottenham Hotspur 2 uh, beaten on the Newton Day, but it wasn't all bad news. So you got myself, Alex Hurst, Simon Campbell, Norman Riley, and Mark Cowley to talk to you about yesterday, the wider implications and how we're, we think it went. This is live, or at least being recorded, on the True Faith YouTube channel uh, with the camera lads. Um, so check that out. Um, subscribe. Loads of videos coming out over the season for that. And this podcast is sponsored by you people, the listeners, our patrons who pay for six extra podcasts per week for the what we think is the small firm uh, sum of £1.25 so if you're interested in that and hearing more of this kind of stuff have a look at the link on social media on Twitter or it's in the description of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to on we're going to jump straight into it though lads um, go on then Sai you're immediately to my right so for you yesterday you know how did you feel walking out of St James's Park at the final whistle uh, it was a, a strange feeling of deja vu from, from this time last year where would put in a really good performance and, and come away with no points, albeit we lost we lost Shelby to a red card and, and Lejeune to the injury. But I thought with the men on the pitch, we matched Spurs for the whole game, and arguably we, should, we deserved a minimum of one point, if not if not a if not a win. So yeah, there was the same feeling of oh, we've lost a game, but if 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 that's what we're capable of, you kind of have a bit of optimism about the season ahead, and you know. That, that that was a good opportunity to beat Spurs. I'm not going to lie; like they they were poor, they looked tired, but at the same time, they're still a quality team, and we've matched them pretty much man for man t- for 90 minutes. So, as far as I'm concerned, it was a encouraging encouraging sight to see Raf and the lads back. Cody, uh, would you echo that? Is it all positive, or is there anything to be worried about? Um, coming back from away from that game compared to last year, I'm more encouraged uh, by our display. I think we're very very unlucky not to come away with a point, uh, especially on our second half performance. I think in terms of a lot of positive to take out of that, but um, negative-wise is, I guess, the first half in terms of how how they scored their goals. Rafa will be dis- really disappointed um, in the way we've obviously conceded them goals, um, both from crosses, first one, Dummett, not really, well, ball watching, not concentrating, and with Tongan getting the, getting the goal in. Um, second one to that, yeah, people can blame Yedlin, but um, I think Richie's fault. To be honest, I think Richie should have kept on running with Ali and that. So I think negative-wise as well in the first half, I don't know just because it was the first game of the season, but like Diarmi and Shelby took a little while to get into the game and we lost possession at the back and them two as well. They got, as the second half went on, we got better, but yeah, we 
kept that's a negative keep giving the ball away a bit sloppy but I think it's probably just because it's the first game back to be honest champion um yeah, I suppose that's, we've got lots to talk about today. We're going to talk about the general performance, a lot of the things he picked up there. Norman, you've written a very positive uh, match report on the True Faith website, which was kind of full of pride in the performance. Do you just want to talk about that a little bit and, and how you felt travelling back to London after the game yesterday because you put a lot of time, miles and money into supporting this team? I um, the, I mean, to mirror, the, mirror what the two lads have already said, to be honest with you, but um, leaving the ground... Like really disappointed, but not disappointed in the sense that we performed pathetically and being utterly, you know, utterly hammered. Um, I was disappointed that we performed so well and didn't get anything. It's more frustrating, more frustration than anything else. Um, the you know the, the performance given given what's been going on. Um, I would say behind the scenes, but it hasn't been behind the scenes, has it? It's been very public. The uh, the whole Ashley debacle. Um, the issue with the players' bonus um, agreement being signed. Um, the politic in between Rafa and Ashley. I'm saying politic. I mean, it's just Ashley being, you know, Ashley. Um, so taking all of those things into consideration, and given given that there's been the the kind of if Rafa goes, we go. Um, Ashley out, protest movement and the 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 sports direct um, protest pre match inside the stadium. The atmosphere was was really positive, and it didn't it it didn't appear to. All of this kind of negativity swirling around the club didn't appear to affect the performance, and that was that's what I took from that. That I took that as a real positive because what it means is that the the players are still one hundred percent focused on the job at hand, and as is Rafa. And um, I think that was reflected in the performance yesterday. And, and any in the mistakes, especially that um, that Marks mentioned there, I, I I agree with them completely, and I also agree with the fact that it's the first game of the season, so there will be that little bit of little bit of sloppiness. I mean, Spurs themselves, you could argue that they. A little bit more tight. They were a little bit more tight than us due to the fact they had more players at the World Cup. But at the same time, you know that they're professional athletes, and and they were equally, I thought, as as sloppy at the back as we were. It's just that we we didn't get the rub of the green. So I am I'm really positive. I'm I'm looking forward to Cardiff. It'll be a completely different game. But I haven't left the stadium thinking we're in big trouble this season. I've left the stadium thinking actually I feel more positive about us not struggling this season than I did last. You touched on the protests yesterday and everything that was going along going on away from the ground saw you were there you were at um northumberland street um mike ashley's retail shop i don't want to mention its name not that i'm sure anyone who listens to this shops there but um yeah what was it like was there a good turnout can you kind of describe for the listeners who didn't manage to get down what the what the how the protest went yeah i mean uh, i got down there just after 11 courtesy of some delayed tiny way metros um and when I got there, apparently it had been going for about 20 minutes. You know, the crowd had started to amass about half 10. And by quarter two, it was in full full throw. There was there was hundreds. I mean, I've seen quotes in, in some of the uh, reports up to about 2,000 people. That might be a bit a bit of a crazy number. But there's certainly 500 plus people stood outside Sports Direct very peacefully. The banners and stuff were far enough away from the doors of Sports Direct that you know no one was being illegally blocked and all this. It was all a very, very like positive and peaceful protest. All the TV cameras were there. Loads of journalists. I think a real, a real statement was made. <clears throat> um, I, I'm sure people have seen on on Twitter that Colin from uh, the Newcastle United Supporters Trust went into the shop and gave out some chocolate bars to staff to make a point of it's you know it's not them we're here to to, to give a hard day. It, it's all about Mike Ashley and I think that what was received really well. Um, but yeah, I mean. On the whole, everyone seemed to be to be united about this, this situation, which is, is hasn't been the case. You know, we've talked about these kind of pop up um, protests over the years. You know, walks, marches, and 
you, you get really thin numbers. And considering this was a, a lunchtime kickoff and asking people to get into town for 11 o'clock in the morning, the, the numbers were quite staggering. And yeah, I think this is the beginning of something really. This is the beginning of a real movement to try and get this man out of our club. So yeah, I, I was really pleased with what I saw. Really positive to see numbers potentially being exaggerated. If Keith Bishop's listening, there was 100,000 people there. Yeah. And you, you, you want to see the next one, not that we manage them or organise them, but um, I think I think there's ones planned next week for Oxford Street, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Belfast, Manchester, and any other UK city, Keith. So I'd, I'd get loads of extra security on, no expense spared. Um, you know, massive protests coming, that kind of thing. Um, it, it's good how we just continue to do this rather than where you think it's just going to blow it over and within a month even if we start, pl- start playing well if you're going to blow over continue to do this um, he, you're not going to obviously be continuously reminded because he probably thinks oh, if the results go well everyone's going to like stop stop this after a month or so but continue to but it's good to see that it was a peaceful protest as well and the fact that no idiots were doing anything stupid because that's that's the, the one thing where you think oh, right if it's going to go in the door do anything stupid put us in a bad name really but glad that didn't happen yeah totally i mean there was there was there was a bloke went in and bought some footballs and then came out and was like oh, i totally agree with what he's doing lads and he's like <laughs> anyway um yeah totally and i think what was what was also very positive i mean all all the the, the chanting was quite it was quite mild you know there was a little bit of swearing but generally speaking it was about ashley out and that was important as well not looking like a bunch of football fans swearing loads and and generally, like none of those kind of types that you worry about showing up at that kind of event were there, or they were well behaved, or or whatever it may be. People were doing the right thing for this protest. And then what was even more impressive was that, that everyone just ch- turned their attention to the match. So by by the time we're getting to the stadium at half twelve, there was a really good atmosphere inside the ground, and and Rafa was received really well, and the players received really well, and everyone just focused on the football. That that's what a protest should be. We've made a really good point without it detracting at all from roughing the lads and kind of supporting the team. That's exactly what we wanted. That's it with the atmosphere as well. We didn't, in terms of Ashley out, that was sang at the end, which um, all sections of the uh, stadium were singing, but it was a case that I wouldn't sang right at the start, going yeah. from the protest to the start of the game. It was totally. all behind the team, all behind Rafa. Um, so that was obviously good to see in a lot of, let's like say, a very positive atmosphere throughout the game yesterday. Yeah, and it's interesting to me that at the same time that you had this protest outside Sports Direct and you had... You know, you've got social media is very active with a lot of anti Ashley, athlete, anti Keish, Keith Bishop stuff. Um, Keith, Keith. I'm certainly very anti Keith Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and you've seen that you've seen the fight back. So the people who the kind of the naysayers who said these protests won't do anything, nothing will happen, which is a very strange take for me. But that's fine if if you want to be like that. And fair enough, not everyone has to get involved. It's entirely up to each each own individual how they kind of demonstrate if they want to demonstrate at all against Mike Ashley in the, in the way he runs Newcastle United but the whole um, you shouldn't do this because I think it won't work as a, as a bizarre way to live your life but you know each to their own you've seen a, a huge kickback already through the media you've seen fucking Steve fucking Parrish I think that's his actual name um, <laughs> like on fucking TalkSport today talking about Newcastle United with a, with a host of Bishop fed lies. You've seen Sam Allardyce in recent weeks doing it. Andy Gray, Richard Keyes, all the people that you'd expect to come out in favour of the regime are, and it, ha- it isn't happening by accident. Now, the worst one of all yesterday, lads, is um, is rest in peace, the the, the, the respect of Shola Ramiobi. Um, yeah. You know, Norman, I'll come to you on this one. I, I know you were at the game, so you wouldn't have seen his pre-match comments. H- how and why does a local lad who represented the club hundreds of times come out in favour on national television of, of someone like Mike Ashley? 
how does he come out and defend him? Honestly, mate, I'm, I've got absolutely no idea. It's it's there's just no, it's inexplicable. It's completely inexplicable. Um, you know, especially when you compare it to to Shira's comments. I mean, Shira's been nothing but critical and justifiably so of um the Ashley regime, um ever since obviously he he sought from the inside out, didn't he? He was tre- he was he was mistreated by um by Ashley and Lambias at the time, and and he's been nothing but critical since, and and, and rightly so. Um, surely I've just I mean, is there any is there any link with with him in this um, bishop agency, or or with him being on mate Ashley payroll, or is he is he trying to get in, in, into the club in any particular way as a coach? I really don't know. Um, it's it, I, I just there's just no need for it. It's it's it, as I say, it's 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 inexplicable um, and really really disappointing. Um, given like you see, he played over three hundred games for the club, and he. He spent the vast part of his career there, and he's he's from the area. He's a supposed Newcastle fan. Um, anyone who calls himself a Newcastle fan and comes out and supports Mike Ashley, given uh, the way he behaves, is has got to question that credentials as a fan because it's just um, well, it, it it's just completely and utterly incorrect. Defend him. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, despite all the bollocks spoken by Shola and other people, but we'll concentrate on Shola for a minute. Um, about debt clearance, about sta- stability, and you know this is the the least stable period in the club's history in terms of like we've always had issues in the past and bad eras but the Mike Ashley era has not ended I wish it had ended has been going on now for 11 years and doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon um, the, the, the strangest thing for me Si that Shola said and this is just total bollocks um, when asked about Rafa's team selection and the fact that he'd select, he hadn't selected any of the new players um, Shola said it was a reward for the players who finished tenth last season, and it's just like, really, do you really think he's playing Hoslu, who did score and had a good game ahead of uh, ahead of Rondon, because it's some sort of reward, like you know, just absolute, or, or is it the fact that the va- the vast majority of the signings aren't automatic first team picks, the fact that Rondon and Mudo have not played in a professional match, be it friendly or otherwise, with any colleagues, it's just like. It's one well. It's not one thing. It's much worse what he said about Mike Ashley. But then also just it's like this is how far it's gone and it's gone. Rather than saying actually Newcastle United did their business far too late in the window, they did far too little business. And despite the fact that the signings are good signings across the board, they aren't the kind of level of signing that is really going to improve the first team and take the the, the club and the team to another level, which is what a lot of teams have tried to do this summer. So it's just just a baffling comment. I mean, poor Dwight Gale. You know his reward for yeah. finishing tenth was being learned at West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a, w- a really strange thing to see Shola in what I-, I think must be his first public kind of TV outing, wasn't it? In his in his little glasses and that. He was obviously trying really hard. He, he, I feel like he might have been put under some pressure to speak in these in this way. And for a lad who's probably quite desperate to get his car- media career started, he's kind of what's 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 the best way to describe? It? He's sold his soul, hasn't he? He sold his soul to the devil in in exchange to try and get a, a media career going. And I honestly thought. Would never have thought he'd be one of the players to do that. One of the one of the local lads. So it's really disappointing. And yeah, it, the 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 weird nonsense that he's come out with makes it look even more scripted. Like he's been put up to it, as opposed to him kind of coming up with that as his opinion. Does he really think that the players that we've signed aren't starting because last last season's players deserved to get the first? Like I don't I, I don't think he thinks that. Does he really think that Mike Ashley's saved the club, or has he been given? Not not a script, but you know, say this, Charlotte. A, a we'll, pile of money. <laughs> yeah, say this, and we'll, we'll see you all right. We'll get you a regular spot on. Well, on me and Ben, like speaking before the game, saying it's really odd for Charlotte to be on there. We're like, how many people have the act before like 
they've got Shawler to come on there. But um, like you said, he's he's on the payroll and he's in the working with the academy. So I don't know if he, that, that's why he's, he's come. But what else he said? It was Newcastle fans will be quietly happy. It's like quietly. Like I mean, this team we know we can stay up, but again, we're not. What he said as well. When you know, we're not competing with the likes of Liverpool and Man City. We can't compete. With, of course, we can't. Like. We want to compete with the likes of the Brighton and Huddersfield and Bend and what they're doing and progressing yeah, that was, with the club. That was That's, very tactical, wasn't it? Yeah. We're not trying to compete with Liverpool and Man City to make us look like deluded. Yeah. Instead of saying what is actually happening, which is we're not well, competing you know, with anyone a, in the league. It's a great point, Cowley, because Ansai, because when he was playing for the club, we fucking were competing with Man City. In fact, Man City weren't, weren't, weren't our competitors. Man City were nobody when we were under, under Robson. And, and then sure, I've scored in the new camp. History, but... We yes, were, com- you know, we were competing with Liverpool. We we're doing these things for for someone who lived that and earned a very good living out of that. Then you'd think he, more than anybody else, would be able to appreciate that rather than it being fan delusion or some sort of, you know, you know real like unrealistic um, ambition that every fan should have the ambition for their club to aspire to be the best club it can possibly be and break into the top six. I mean, look at Everton this summer. Look at the likes of Fulham and Wolves. You know, I don't think they'll do very well particularly following Wolves but at least they're trying at least they're giving it a go I mean Shola's saying Newcastle fans will be quietly what do you say quietly confident no, quietly happy from quite, the signings quite, we've made this summer quietly happy well, like, in football it's not supposed to I mean it's bollocks anyway but it's not supposed it's just, to be he's, he's, quietly he's, happy what's weird is he's seeing the same things that the, that the other like useless media people of all these pundits who have kind of had <laughs> had bad careers recently um, saying the exact things oh they've signed seven players like making a point of the numbers and like absolutely no analysis of what's actually happened just saying the same things they've spent this much they've got this many players he should be happy all this like it's just the same crap that they're all saying so it, it just it seems so scripted back to the football which is what we're like talking about um, Cody you touched on on the on the goals that were gave away um, before we get, well, we'll get very positive again soon because there was a lot of positives to take out of the game yesterday. And moving forwards, um, how, like, do you think that it's you know Rafa Benitez come out after the game and says we, we deserved at least a point, and I think we would all agree. But can you give away two such soft goals to such good teams and expect to get anything out of games in the Premier League? Uh, you can't. If you look at, I mean, you look at both goals. The first one we've we've touched on. We said before about what Shelby doing, Mark and Sanchez. It's just like. Think about it, lads. Like he's good in the air, Sanchez. He's centre back. Shelby's. We can't think about it if you want. Yeah. So Bruno, because no, it's like yeah, it hasn't happened by accident because he marked yeah. him throughout the first half, and right. Sanchez got three headers off. Yeah. Um. So Hosselu, we've got two centre backs, and we've got Hosselu, and who needs picked up? They need. So Al Alderweireld picked. No, is it him? No, uh, Vertonghen. Vertonghen needs picked up. He needs up. Pick, Dummett was picking him up. Yeah. Or, or not? As it turned out to be, but Dummett was picking him up. Presumably, the sells as Martin Harry Kane. Yeah, so that so leaves yeah. Kieran Clark. Who's Kieran Clark, Morgan? Any ideas? I don't know. This is I'm, I'm, like surely it would make much more sense to have like pretty much Spurs' best attack. You know, attacking defender. Just so going there was <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> one was yeah, <laughs> big lad. But yeah, um, especially the first goal. Uh, Dummett's not, positionally not not being where he should have been. Um, and again, just ball watching. He's not realizing the tongue has gotten behind him, and the, Sanchez has got the jump, and then. If Vertonghen's got it in, very lucky that I've gone across the line. But if it wouldn't go line technology, it would be nil nil. But <laughs> never mind. Um, but yeah, second goal as well. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to play him. Yedlin, I didn't think Yedlin played t- that well yesterday. And again, positionally not great on that. But if you can see it, Richie is with Ali, and it's, it's shouting it obviously at um, Yedlin that he's coming in the box. 
But I think Richie should follow Ali because Richie's got no one else he's following. He just stays at the edge of the box. I think he should. I think he should go back and track back, and then he probably. I mean, it's a great ball in, great delivery, uh, but I just think it's also look as well, isn't it? Like Ericsson tries to play yeah. the ball, it comes off dummy, and it literally couldn't fault a player with no one round to be able to put that ball in. We still should do much better, yeah. but it's just like we just we did not get get as you said earlier in our private conversation the rub of the green yesterday mm-hmm. did it, and it was like. That that ball. I mean, it's it's one thing you could say that we're unlucky because um, who was I keep forgetting the Tongan. He should smash the back of the net, but it's re, it's a really bad header, and he nearly puts it over the bar, and then it's just nine millimeters over the line, dead unlucky. And then if you compare it to us hitting the post with Diarmi, it doesn't matter. I think you said it right, Norman. It doesn't matter whether Diarmi hits that straight out. Larice, who's a great keeper, he's hit it that hard. In fact, Norman, what did what did you say would happen if he'd hit it straight at him? Whatever he, if um, if Diarmi is shot at um, hit yeah. Loris, I mean, I, I mean, it basically would have just snapped his hands straight off, wouldn't it? And he would have had to go off. It would have been, it would have, it would have been a double, uh, a double win. Really, it would have been a goal, and quite possibly the end of Loris' season, which would have been awful. Don't get me wrong; I'm not advocating that would have been a positive thing. But just losing him for a match would have been good because I thought Loris was um, was absolutely superb yesterday. Just highlighting how how good of a goalkeeper he really is. Um, in fact, if I can just move it into um, a comparison of goalkeeper performances. Is that, uh, is that all right Please with you, do. lads? Um, Dubravka, I thought, was good yesterday. He's an excellent goalkeeper. There's no two ways about it. The only thing that frustrated me, other than the fact that he... I don't think we really blame him for diving down and pushing a shot in the post. That was probably going wide. That's just something that keepers do with that. If they've got like a moment of hesitancy, they'd rather just be, you know, uh, better to be safe than sorry kind of attitude. Um, what I think he maybe needs to curtail, and I'm sure it'll be um, picked up, uh, this week in training is is his distribution. It's he was always looking, always looking for the kind of quick rollout and kind of getting something started, which which is really positive in many ways. But he was still kind of almost rolling the ball out to a fullback when there was really nothing on, and that put under a bit of an undue, unnecessary pressure. I don't know if that's how you lads um, interpret it. I I didn't notice it just in terms of his kicking as well. It didn't want to play long too many times, which. At times it puts under pressure when it wasn't on, just get it, get rid of it, really. Uh, but there's sometimes mm-hmm. it just went out, out of touch. But um, yeah. his kick, I don't know, he just tried. I don't know if he's just seen it from other keepers in the league, um, other team. But we, I did see try to play from the back um, a bit more than what I've seen last, end of last season. Yeah, I mean, there's there's times when you need to be a positive goalkeeper, and he's 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 being very positive. You know, if you're at home against a team and it's let's say let's say like a Burnley or or a mid-table team where it's a, it's a close game and you want to try and catch something on the break. You need some quick movement, you need some quick reactions, but when you're under the pressure, under that kind of pressure from Spurs and you've got Paul Dummett in a bit of space, don't don't be dinking the ball to him 30 yards under the touchline. He can't do anything with that, even if he can keep it in. Um, a little bit little bit too eager, I think, just from Dubravka to, to be seen as a, slight, as you say, like a really good Premier League keeper, which he is. But um, yeah, I think Rafa will probably have a word with him and kind of say, look, there's times when you do that and there's times when you don't and it'll be about you know getting the best out of them on that. Stick up from slightly and I think you saw progression in yesterday's game so I thought first half yesterday we weren't great. Um, I thought both teams were poor first half. It yeah. looked very much like a first game in, of the season. You had, you had Dummett losing his man for the goal, poor. You had Yedlin and Ritchie for that goal, poor. You had Diame and Shelby just like outrageously sloppy in possession. I mean the pair of them 
oh, like incredible. But then that that all disappeared in the second half. So that was like yeah. it was it was a massive improvement. Even in the, even in one game, we saw a big improvement in 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 those players and in the team. And then Diarmi and Shelby were were back to their old selves in the second half. And Shelby with some brilliant balls. Diarmi some crucial interceptions. I mean, he pretty much stopped a goal coming in the box, nipping the ball off someone, and, and made some great tackles. Um, so you saw everyone get better and better and better, apart from Christian Atsu, who came on got worse if that was possible. <laughs> More on that later. Um, but overall, it's kind of like, you know what, pre-season has been a, a mess for whatever reason. Um, we didn't play well in any of the games, apart from maybe St. Pat's, but that was, you know, <laughs> St. Pat's, no disrespect to them. Um, and it, it, it's maybe like we're going to take a couple of weeks, like we have done, by the way, in the last two seasons, to get up to speed and maybe that's just part of we start slowly we get better and we finish very strongly under the, the kind of once the new players are integrated so there's definitely reasons to be positive in terms of I think what we saw yesterday like if you look at some teams I know it's the very early days but you probably saw what saw so far what some teams are capable of maybe that was Palace's best I don't know um, withdrawn you know Palace at Fulham withheld a lot of pressure um, and then got a couple of goals in a counter-attack and then dominated after that whereas I think I think maybe that's them I think us with the signings we've got to come in and the fact that players generally get better under Benitez you're going to see much better than we saw yesterday in the second half and that's encouraging because we deserve to take something from that game and on the balance of play and the balance of chances in my opinion we deserve to win the game um, which is easier said than done and you don't know how Spurs will react but um, I, I thought we're, we're, we're average in the first half but we're very very good second half and there's a lot of room for improvement for, from us and probably from, from Spurs as well but ultimately and, and people talk about you know, Spurs as players and, and coming back late. End of the day, none of our players get in the Spurs team. Not one. Not one player. Probably in the in, in the squad. I know they had a young lad on the bench, but probably in the squad, not one Newcastle player gets anywhere where, where near Spurs is 16 or 17. Kennedy, maybe. Yeah, good point, Kennedy. But, it, you know, you, um, yeah. So the fact that if you look at us since under Rafa, it's a really good kind of arc this for me. You've got Spurs last season at home when... We'll play with and Lascelles referenced this after the game. You play with eleven men behind the ball. Um, you play with eleven men behind the ball, and you try and try and do something. Ultimately, we didn't really have a chance against them. We're doing well until the red card. Then you've got Spurs away, when we're the better team. I argue the Spurs score a good goal and have some chances. We probably should do better, but you know we're definitely worthy of a point. Yep. And then you've got it again at home, where we're probably if there's one team who's going to win that game, it's got to be us on the balance of playing the chances created. So. Against, I mean, bear in mind Spurs because it's Spurs have like the same team every time you play them, um, you know. And, and whilst they did create some chance in the second half, I mean, Dubravka's save is 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 a brilliant save. It's just uh, Sissoko because it's not just like it hits him first view and you think that's just hit him. He's actually yeah, stuck he's, an arm he's out got right down. Yeah, it's it's mm. a world class save. There aren't many goalkeepers I think who can make that point blank save. Obviously, one of them is at the other end, Lloris, who makes a similar save against Perez. I mean, that ball from Perez, that shot goes through the Spurs' player leg, so Lloris sees it at the absolute. Last minute, um, so that was a, that was a brilliant save. But yeah, for me, Newcastle under under Rafa will continue to improve, and we're going to need that because other teams are going to get better in as the season goes on. But for me, um, an overall uh, a really positive day and a positive performance, and something we can we can take moving forwards. Yeah, just just quickly on that, I think what we saw from from the from the kickoff at no point was I thinking we don't have a game plan here. Everything looked like it was rehearsed. Everyone looked like they knew what they're doing. Yes, there was some sloppiness, some rustiness. It was one of the situations where it was so obvious that if we'd had the new lads in earlier and they'd been kind of shown how to play and, and what the kind of the tactics was. He's had to start with Hoslu because he spent all preseason drilling Hoslu and probably preparing him for the Tottenham game. He's had Can I just jump in? 
and I know we've been critical of set pieces, but people, you know, that before, I mean, Twitter before matches is, is like a, a heinous place, more so than usual. Yeah. Criticism of Hossalu, criticism of team selection. You know, just wait until, wait until the game plays out, but I'm sure we're not talking to these kind of people. Yeah, he, d- uh, he did what he was expected of him and got the goal the first the key, half. People were saying, would you rather take a half-fit Rondon over a fully-fit Hossalu? I know what I would take and say, I'd rather say Rondon. But it's, it's about set pieces, defensive set pieces, as Rondon had time to work on that. It's about where to stand at goal kicks. It's about where to fit into a tactical plan rather than just hire a player in. And this is why Rafa Benitez is different to like a, a Graham Sunes who hired Luge and Owen and, and, yeah. and all those kind of players like the day after the sign type thing. Yeah. You, you, you're not going to see Rafa Benitez throw a player into the team who, who doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing exactly. through no exactly. fault of the player. So it's just much more complex than, oh, well, I'd rather take Rondon over Hostler. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure Rafa Benitez would as well, you know, being you know, presumptuous for a second, but I'm sure that Rondon is going to be, the, unless Hostler keeps scoring, of course, which <laughs> I think we're happy to do. I mean, Norman, on this one, how do you think the new lads who came on did yesterday I know you were very positive in your match report how do I think the new lads got on um, I was uh, really pleased with um, Rondon's contribution um, he, I mean don't get me wrong Hosselu, I thought Hosselu had an excellent game yesterday I mean the, not only the, the fantastic header um, from a brilliant cross but also the pass for um, the Diarmia chance was was it about the pass for the Diarmia okay, chance, chance wasn't it Kennedy chance, sorry, yeah, it was, a, it was an outra- outrageous pass. Um, just really good vision, really intelligent. Um, but I think, you know, we, we've been saying, Sai, you and I, that it would be good to get Rondon with about, on with about half an hour to go, and that's exactly what he did, and, and he affected the game almost immediately. Um, the corner that I think Hostler would won, um, Rondon kind of caused chaos in their box straight away, and we, we, almost, um, we almost scored straight from it. Um, that was, I think, that was what the Perez chance came from, wasn't it? Um, Loris pulled off that outrageous save, yeah. um, and he just uh, he, he just looks he just looks he just looks a handful, and and I think obviously he had that that chance as well that was going in the bottom um, the bottom corner and before it deflected off the bottom of Vertonghen's leg, and he just he looks like a player who will score goals regardless of how his goal scoring record's been the last couple of seasons. He's been playing in teams that aren't set up to to create much, and he's been doing a lot of it on his own. Um, I think with someone like Perez or Muto behind him doing a lot of the running that he was having to do at West Brom as well as try and get on the end of the chances he was probably trying to create himself. Um, I think he will get goals and I think he's a, he's due to his physicality, he's just going out there. There aren't any centre-halves that I particularly worry about him going up against. Um, Muto, on very briefly, but he showed flashes of being um, a very intelligent player. Some really, really good footwork, good close control. Um, and I think... I think it's quite obvious as well, even from the brief cameo we made yesterday, that Mudo is probably capable of playing a number ten role behind Rondon. Um, so I just really, um, really good to see them on the pitch. You know, based on what we've seen so far, they look like very positive additions. Just I'm just looking forward to seeing them, seeing them again. Yeah, just just quickly on Muto, um, it's going to be a player where as as the season goes on, we're going to learn about him because realistically, none of us really know what, what to expect from him. I, I mean, I can't say he stood out at the World Cup. Obviously, he's an international football, which is a good good sign, but. What I what I noticed yesterday when he came on for for was about ten minutes was he yeah, oh, yeah. Um, he's really fast he was making loads of runs yeah. down the channels and you know it's a nice surprise because I didn't know he was fast so that's that was really encouraging and yeah he's just straight in trying to make something happen like yeah. there was no doubt about what his job was like it's ten minutes to go get in the channels get yourself down then see if we can create some see if we can create he, a goal and his movement was great like you say he's making the right runs as well yeah. intelligent runs not just running for the sake of for the sake Absolutely. of doing it but he was comfortable just going in straight away when you get ten minutes it's hard to come in the game when you've only got ten minutes yeah, to make yeah. an impression um, but he looks sharp um, good with both feet so it'd be good to see what he's going to be like the rest of the season um, 
In terms of Rondon as well, I've spoken to a good mate who's a season ticket holder for West Brom. Um, he said he thinks he'll be a good signing for years. Uh, I mean, the stats are not great, but he's happened to play under two shite managers. But um, he says he's hold a play will be good. He's a handful, good in the air. He says the only thing you'll what let him down is just he's finishing. Um, he did miss quite a few one-on-ones of them, which hopefully that we need someone more clinical and like because he thinks he in terms of Gale saying he's like he's happy to have him but he said we won't create the chances that you do but saying that West Brom scored four goals yesterday yeah. so um you might have that one wrong but yeah exactly so he said he thinks he'll be a good obviously under Rafa um but like I say yesterday he came on and he was a handful straight away as he said from the Perez chance um I think he's obviously going to be more mobile I think he wasn't as sharp as obviously like I say his first game back for 30 minutes coming on uh but yeah like I say I think he'll be a good addition Good, promising stuff, and I totally agree with everything Norman said as well. Sorry, every week we like to get listener um, participation. You know, do you want to pick up some of the comments we asked you, the listeners, at, on our Twitter feed at TF Weekly Pod? Kind of what the thought of the game yesterday, anything that, that's caught your eye in terms of what people have been saying? Yeah, I mean, I think the general consensus is the same that we're very unlucky and deserved something. Um, Burnsy, whose Twitter handle is at Ben Arthur Chance. <laughs> ben Arthur, uh, by any chance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, unlucky to hit the person bar, unlucky not not to get a draw or a win, unlucky to lose Yedlin in the 92nd minute, which we need to talk about because that yeah, could, be, do, yeah. could be important. Um, Will Harbin got in touch just to say Kennedy is a star. I think me and Norman after the game on the match day were just saying Kennedy's he's just fucking brilliant, isn't he? He's, he's by far our best player. Also pleased with Muto and says he would rate Muto to start over Perez. Interesting. Cause, Controversial that one because yeah. it would be harsh. A game like it was yesterday where we didn't have much of the ball. Um, I wouldn't be, and then Perez did have that one really good chance, which he, again he's very good from those tight angles. Um, but you've certainly got to keep Perez in for Cardiff for me because he you want to give him that that chance in the team to. Oh, there's no chance he's going to drop Perez next week. Yeah. Cardiff, no, after no chance. He'll... Please with us and Muto and, and like to see him get involved, but starting games might be a bit much from at this stage. Yeah. We don't really know what he can do, and he's probably not ready for the Premier League in terms yeah. of his physicality. Yeah. He has come on and played against a tired like. Tottenham, so obviously he's going yeah. to be so yeah. from the start we're not going to see him just yet it's going to keep Perez in a bit longer Nathan Reeve the same disappointing because it feels like we could have got something but um, he then goes on to say this might be a bit harsh but Atu nowhere near this level um, I think we're all quite critical of Atu I mean he's had some really good games in the Premier League for us but he's not that consistent and yeah yesterday was not one of his better days um, he just he just seemed to make the game worse and you know we were angling for Richie started to start to fall out the game and he's he's he was maybe, well, I don't know, from his reaction, he wasn't ready yeah. to come off, but um, we'll, we'll come on to that as well. Well, um, let's come on to it now and go back to well, them. I yeah. mean, first of all, let's talk about the substitution. And I've seen so much written and talked about this substitution. Was it a good substitution? Nah. You no. know, ultimately, um, I, I imagine he wanted to inject some more pace, maybe to, to push Spurs back. Atsu has done good things in Newcastle shirt as he achieved what Matt Ritchie has. No, um, but I'm going to, you know, trust Rafa Benitez in his substitutions. Um, did it work? No. Was it like more relevant to us losing the game than Dubbett losing his man or Richie Yedlin losing, you know, losing Dwight, Al- uh, Dwight Alley? What's he called? <laughs> Deli, Deli, that's Deli. it, yeah. Dwight Alley, you've got Dwight on the brain. That would be beautiful, <laughs> that combination. Those two players. But, um, so, so in terms of just like how much conversation there's been about it, it's like, yes, probably if, if it was me, which it never will be because I'm not, I'm not a football manager, never will be, or anyone else commentating on these things, um, 
Would we have done the sub? No. Is it is it really a massive deal in the grander scheme of things? I mean, we managed to hit the bar and have a few chances after Richie went off. So I don't know what you lads think. I just I just I think, think it's been made into this big thing when ultimately every single manager gets gets subs wrong. I mean, yeah. you know, Jurgen Klopp's brought on Daniel Sturridge today and he scored a goal with his first touch because in the right place at the right time. It's like as long as the, the thought process is right, you can't control what's going to happen. And if you're Rafa Benitez and the amount of good substitutions he's made in time in Newcastle managing his career, I'm going to give him one. <laughs> it's it's one of those things. Uh, the, the talking points of any football match often are the substitutes. Um, and for years, we've had managers who constantly made mistakes and would, would criticise so many of the substitutions and, and say they were wrong because it almost <laughs> always got worse or went badly. Um, and that was it was a lot of kind of fodder for, for talking about that but with with Rafa you can hardly ever question what he's done so when there is something that looks like an obvious mistake it, it's a real talking point because everyone's sort of saying oh he's got that wrong because we're not used to ever saying that about Rafa because nine times out of ten he, he makes the right decisions and nine times out of ten 99 times out of 100 probably more um so yeah I think it's just become a talking point because of the nature of the substitution uh, we were getting ourselves back in the game and that was the only part of it that didn't quite work and yeah, it's well, not, I mean, we're talking about it because of Richie's reaction, really, um, and how obviously bad. It's easy for us to say in hindsight it was a bad substitution. Atsu was terrible yeah. when he came on. Um, let's like say lost possession of the ball quite a bit. Didn't look interested. Didn't do anything really, to be honest. So we're doing it because Richie's reaction didn't obviously want to come at that point. Yeah. But the second half, it obviously didn't do as well as what he did in the first. And that's obviously Rafa's thinking. Right, more pace. He's going to bring obviously Mutu on in a bit, and now bring Atsu on now. So Atsu has done okay something when he came off the bench and made an impact so it's easy for us it to was, say I now mean, I think I think what you said Dog is absolutely right he was he was trying to get some pace in the pitch because Tottenham were tired they were slow um, and we were we were full of energy and we just needed to get forward quickly and that's for all his positives Matt Ritchie hasn't got that in his locker he'll always pick up the ball on the halfway line and it's 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 quite difficult for him to get to the byline and Atsu with, with a good touch here and there can get there and he's quick and all his end product but I mean it just it just it fails spectacularly but I, I think at that stage it was we were we were saying the same thing. We need a bit more bit more energy, a bit more bodies getting forward. And it just yeah. I can it, see it what did, he, why he's done it. At that point it did go a bit flat about for ten minutes. Yeah. Just nothing was really happening at that point. But I mean obviously Richie thought he could do something as well. You he, probably not he probably still got energy to do something, but But this is this is why Raf has been angling for Townsend for about three transfer windows now. Like he would be he would be an improvement on Richie. I love Mike Richie, but we wanted to build this, make the team better. We need another option on the right, and we haven't really got it. I mean, we've got Murphy and Atsu in and around the team, but neither are any better than Matt Ritchie. And that's a position that we could improve with someone like Townsend or, or whatever else. Okay, Norman, I'm going to come to you because the Yedlin injury looks bad. We haven't heard anything from the club. It's it's not ideal. In fact, it's far from ideal. Um, you know, there's been a lot of negativity social media about his potential replacement in Mankio. Your thoughts on, on how the team will do with, with Yedlin out of the side for a, what looks like a prolonged period. I hope I'm wrong. Yedlin's a huge loss. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we all know that defensively he's not um, he's not as good as what we'd, we'd like him to be. Um, but he offers, he offers so much just because he, he's, he's so quick. And you can you know you can get up and down the flank like with incredible incredible pace and it and it brings so much to the side. Um, and he is he's a huge loss. And even yesterday, like the, the the fact that he tried to keep a really difficult ball in shows his his determination levels. And it was just a real real shame he got injured the way he did. Um, but to a certain extent, kudos to him for for attempting to to keep someone going in the first place. Um, his replacement's more than likely going to be Mankio. 
And obviously, Mankiyo, um, I mean, I see he gets a lot of stick again in social media, so you just don't know what kind of gauge that really is for the general perception around it. But um, he, do, he does appear to... He does appear to kind of be on the receiving end of some criticisms, and uh, you know what? He's not. He's not going to offer anywhere near as much as Yellen going forward. I don't think defensively he's a particularly bad player, um, and I and I'm yet uh, I'm yet to see any any kind of uh, watch him in any match where he's really been utterly atrocious. Um, undoubtedly, he's made mistakes. You know, he hasn't covered the right space, or he's lost his man, and um, he's shown too much on the inside. But he has played quite a lot of his football at Newcastle as a left back as well. Whereas he is a right back, um, a right footed right back, and I'm not overly concerned about him um, defensively. I just think we'll miss a little bit more going forward. But then again, this season I think we've got better better attacking options in anyway. So I'm I'm hoping that the Yedlin loss this season won't be as as um, impactful as it, as it would have been um, last season had it had it happened. Um, I just hope that you know Mankiw's first game, let's say especially against Chelsea at home, if he does something that isn't to everyone's liking that there isn't a kind of collective groan because I think he's one of those players that maybe we need to just be a little bit patient with him. Um, because if there is a there is a mistake in him early on and, it, and people get on his back, then that's not going to help him. Um, and I don't think he's as bad as what people make out. I think, I think perhaps the, the, the fact that he, he spent a full season in a, in a shocking Sutherland side that got relegated probably set him up a little bit from when he arrived at Newcastle. A lot of people, we already just thought, well, he can't be that good, can he? Um, but may... Make any theory on it is is that if he joined us in the championship and he'd been competition for Yedlin, he would have been a better bet than Anita. So he would have had that kind of season to bet in. Um, I'm not I'm not overly concerned about him coming in the side. And I think he'll I think he'll be okay. I think he's an all right he's an all right replacement for Yedlin. Is he ideal? No, but he's what we've got. And he's not as bad as what people make. Yeah, out. I, I agree entirely. Defensively, I, I wouldn't worry about Mankio filling that filling that role, um, especially with Matt Rich in front of him, who, who provides a lot of defensive cover as well. I think what it does do is leave us quite imbalanced as an attacking side. We've got Kennedy mm-hmm. and also Atsu, who I think is is a, showed yesterday that he'd probably rather play on the left. Um, really good. Obviously, we're going to create a lot down the left-hand side. Now that Richie's probably going to have a bit more defensive um, kind of work to do, he's going to find himself even deeper and we're just going to struggle to, to get ourselves out on that side and that, that worries me because the one thing Rafa tries to do with his team is have balance between defence on each side and that, that's going to kill her because Yedlin's pace, as you've said, gives us, he'll take a man going forward and he'll, he can recover going back and now Richie and Mankio, whilst defensive, they can probably handle whatever the Premier League throws at them. I can't see us getting much joy now, creating, creating chances from that side. Good. I think we're just about at the end of this podcast. We've talked through it all, and, and again, you know, I think we'll have to give Hosselu credit. Great header. I mean, the, the, the movement as well. It wasn't just a kind of right place, right time. He takes a little step inside of the defender, so the defender thinks he's potentially going to make a near post run, and then he then he peels off. And so that's really good centre forward play. And possibly even someone like me <laughs> didn't think you know he potentially had that in him. But if we can get balls in like that from Richie and Kennedy. He might get a few goals this season. Because um, from where we were looking, it's like, is he north side? Because he got so much space exactly. for all these runs. The movement was I mean, so good, yeah. yeah. So, so that was positive. Um, there were plenty of other positives. You know, Stephen Ord on, on social media said, um, if we'd had the players in the start of pre-season, like Rafa wanted, we probably could have won the game. And I think he's he's spot on. And I think the the um, profligacy of the of the regime has is, is already cost the team points in the Premier League. Um, you, know, you know, Sam GC is a little bit Different, he says, didn't really learn anything, good effort, but if, if you don't pay for goal scorers, you don't score goals, you should post, but I'll keep the same story as last season. I think that's 
not a bad point. R- Rondon's really unlucky because that shot he takes is going in the bottom corner. Lloris isn't gonna even gonna bother diving. I think he's just gonna do that kind of watch it in, and the lad who gets the block in, um, it hits the bottom of his leg arse um type area and it bounces into the ground and goes up so it was like if it had just been a you know that nine millimeters that spurt had a, if rondon shot a tiny bit lower but obviously he's trying to get power hence why it leaves the ground that's two two and, and again you never know who can win the game um really etc etc yeah um and then hfr um say kennedy has bostic on his boots I'm not quite sure what that is is that like glue i don't know nah you'll have to let one know about that one is that like a flubber thing? Like, does it make a mint? I don't know. Someone let one know what, what sorry? it is. What, what, was, it? what was it? Um, but he really should have done better on that chance. And it was a great pass by Hosloo. But, you know, he'll get better. Um, lads, we'll leave it there. We've done about 45 minutes here. So thanks for listening to the True Faith podcast. Like we said, keep this podcast free by subscribing to Patreon. Um, you get six extra shows a week. Obviously, you don't might not have time or you don't have to listen to them all. Um, this week coming up, the, the schedule's looking like you've got Norman, who's with us now, does a Premier League roundup with his pal John and Michael Crean. You've then got the review show, which looks back at the weekend's game in even more detail than this, and a little bit of Premier League stuff as well. You've got the, you'll have the match preview every week, so you'll have a Cardiff match preview. Also coming up this week is uh, Newcastle United All-Time 11 podcast that we do quite regularly, get different um, panellists on to talk about the best players I've ever seen and the worst for Newcastle United in the modern era. You've got um, True Faith, any questions next Friday, where we get about 30 or 40 questions in every week from listeners, from patrons, and we'll answer them about literally anything to do with Newcastle United or life. Saturday, you've got the Cardiff match day. You know, Norman and Rob from the podcast will be in Cardiff, podcasts and life from there, and all of that's for patrons. So I'll stop banging on about that. Thanks to you, lads, for your time today, and thank you very much for listening. We'll be back to you on the free show uh, next Sunday, hopefully after a, a good win at Cardiff. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com